0: chapter eighteen of early days of old oregon by catherine barry judson this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eighteen the beginnings of cities while san francisco was hardly more than a village in eighteen forty eight a man came riding down the street one day swinging a bottle of yellow dust in his hand and shouting gold 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 from the american river he had found gold in the sand of that river soon the news spread not only throughout california but all over the states bordering on the atlantic throngs of men crossed to the gold-fields tens of thousands came in eighteen forty nine called the forty-niners there were many cattle ranches in california so beef was plentiful but there were few farmers and practically no stores the nearest stores for general supplies were in the sandwich islands and in the old oregon country lumber needed for mining could be found only along the north pacific coast one day in eighteen forty eight a ship entered the willamette river the captain was rather silent as to his business but the settlers noticed that he bought many shovels and picks he also bought great quantities of flour and wheat of salmon and other fish he asked for potatoes the settlers began to quiz him then he told them that gold had been discovered in california he was taking supplies down the coast other ships came to oregon city and still others many of them wanted lumber the great forests along the columbia and on puget sound supplied just the timber needed for piles for wharves and for shoring up the gold mines san francisco at first was a canvas city a great city of tents but the tents caught fire one day and the whole canvas settlement burned up in a very short time it was necessary to build better houses and boards and shingles and beams were needed so the ships came north for lumber some of the settlers in oregon dropped their farming and rushed to the gold-fields others plowed broader fields and sowed larger crops for prices paid were high new immigrants easily found work helping to load the ships and in farming others went to logging in the forests or in the shingle business payment was made in gold dust little by little although many went to the gold fields the settlements in old oregon grew some years before gold was found portland was just a convenient camping place between oregon city and fort vancouver later for the convenience of passers-by a log cabin was built there after a while there were several log-cabins and then a small store with a few things for sale yet the place had no name it was simply a convenient camping-place two men who had claims there decided one day to name this camping-place one man came from portland maine the other from boston massachusetts each wanted to name it for his home city at last they agreed to toss up a coin heads portland tails boston heads won, so the little hamlet was called portland many people have thought that multnomah the indian name would have been better portland beginning with its few log cabins and a small store grew rapidly it was nearer the columbia than oregon city was the water was deeper and lumber from the hills along the river just as good so it was easier for ships to land there soon a sawmill was built there other cabins rose among the firs and spruces and hemlocks then other stores san francisco needed a great many supplies and a great deal of lumber many more ships came in eighteen forty eight before gold was discovered only three or four vessels entered the river during the whole year in eighteen fifty there were fifty ships so the hamlet became a village and the village a town then the town became a small city and that grew to a large city steamboats soon after the discovery of gold began to run regularly from portland down the coast to california other boats went from portland up the river to the fertile lands east of the mountains where white men were beginning to settle along the rivers and to plant their orchards and farms they carried to these settlers plows and seeds and other supplies such as groceries and dress goods then railroads came across the continent street cars came and electric lights large factories great office buildings and all the busy life which makes up a large city the columbia river still sends out its logs to countries where there are few trees even today the great log booms are floated down the river and then down the coast to california they are carefully put together strongly chained and drawn by a tugboat lying on the water they look at a distance like a long broad cigar in spite of care however an ocean storm will sometimes break one to pieces and scatter the logs wildly up and down the coast causing great loss to the owners but good timber was also to be found on puget sound and many ships came to the east coast where seattle and tacoma and olympia are they came for timber and piles and shingles farmlands in western washington were very scarce the only possible business for most of the settlers was logging that was the leading industry for many years almost the only industry men with their ox teams came into the forests and felled the enormous trees they cut off the branches and divided the long trunks into shorter pieces oxen hauled the logs to some point where they could be pushed into the water Splash into the water they went to be towed down as a boom to the nearest mill where they were sawn into boards or perhaps a small boom of the lighter logs was towed directly to the ship to be sold as piles these small booms were not rafted together and chained as were the ocean-going booms they were merely enclosed in a circle of many logs chained together at the ends and floated down the first sawmill at seattle built by henry yesler began its work in eighteen fifty three other mills soon came more hands for the mills more loggers for the forests more houses for the people who were working more stores to supply their needs so seattle grew just as portland had done until it became a large city in eighteen fifty four a pioneer cruised around puget sound looking for good farmland everywhere the land was densely forested and farmlands hard to find when he entered the puyallup river he found it full of logs which were being floated down to the sound a little farther north on commencement bay was a sawmill this mill was not a very perfect one through some defect in the machinery the boards were always thicker at one end than the other or sometimes they were thicker in the middle but that sawmill was the first building on the spot now occupied by the city of tacoma although the real beginning of the city was not made until more than ten years later on bellingham bay in that same year eighteen fifty four two men were logging one night a hard storm blew down a great fir tree and the roots were upturned on the earth right underneath that tree was a vein of coal which could be plainly seen when the tree was uprooted that was the beginning of bellingham for coal was needed on the sound and the columbia river and immediately miners went there to mine it ships were there to load it houses had to be built for the miners and wharves for the ships stores were built there because the needs of the miners and their families must be supplied later on fish were caught in vast numbers salted and shipped then canneries were built so bellingham grew into a city at first there were two towns close to each other one named fairhaven the other whatcom these grew together and were made one city now called bellingham east of the cascade mountains the country was not attractive to the emigrants they reached it after months of hardship it was dry and dusty covered with sand and sagebrush the sun was scorching hot there was no water and they tired and worn as they were called it a desert they were seeking the fertile valleys and the green forests of the coast dr whitman had discovered very early that with water delicious fruits and vegetables would grow in that dreary-looking sand we know now that it was not real sand but a lava soil along the walla walla river the Tushie and other streams later settlers built their log cabins chiefly at first to enter into trade with the passing immigrants later gold was discovered at fort colville and at once miners rushed into the colville valley from the willamette and some even from california other mines were discovered the number of travellers increased and so houses had to be built pioneer hotels they were although only log cabins for these miners Vegetables were raised, and fruits, cattle throve on the juicy grass of the plains of the Columbia. It was a country where horses lived in vast numbers, for the wealth of the horse Indians was in their ponies. Gradually the country became more and more settled, and though the Great Yakima War of 1856-57 put an end to its settlement for a while, after the Indians became quiet again, white farmers flocked into it now the apples of the yakima valley and the wenatchee valley are known all over the world as also the fruit of the hood river valley it is a wealthy farming country the irrigation canals of the government have made it possible for farmers to settle even away from the rivers and streams in a country where there is little rain spokane was settled in quite another way in eighteen seventy two when a white man spent two days fishing at the spokane falls there were no cabins there at all no settlers a few white men had taken up claims on the upper and lower reaches of the river but none at the falls then it was reported that the northern pacific railroad would be completed to the pacific coast very soon such a railroad would need timber for ties and for station houses and for other purposes within a few months after that three men built a sawmill at the falls where they could utilize the water power others joined them a shopkeeper went there and opened a little store soon others came for one reason or another until there was a little hamlet there when the railroad did come through it made this little village one of its stations and at once it began to grow rapidly there was great power in the falls for electricity and for factories churches schools paved streets and street cars came and it became a city the city of spokane is only forty miles from the old trading post of fort spokane from which ross cox rode on le Bleu many years before in his effort to get the flathead furs the city was named from the spokane indians who claimed that country olympia was the first village in what we now call washington a few americans came to the tumwater falls in eighteen forty six and built a mill at the falls several miles from puget sound but it was a bother to haul their supplies either from the sound or overland from the columbia to tumwater so it was not long before several cabins were built at the mouth of the little stream on puget sound where they could get their supplies of clothing and sugar and flour direct from the passing ships soon there was a store there and the place was called newmarket afterwards because it was on the trail from the columbia river to seattle and the villages farther north a log cabin hotel was built at newmarket that made it possible for people to stay there for a few days while waiting for a ship or waiting for friends who were coming to join them from the columbia river for many farmers moved from the columbia and the willamette into the puget sound country gradually the village grew the shipping was never extensive for the mudflats were too broad and ships could not go close to shore as they could at seattle and tacoma so olympia though the state capital is not a very large city when washington became a separate territory however in eighteen fifty three olympia was the largest town in it and very central so it became the capital before the steam railroads came pioneers used very primitive railroads when it saved expense in hauling at first the railroads were simply wooden beams fastened together and set as firmly as possible over which large heavy cars with great heavy wooden wheels could be drawn by oxen the wood of the rails splintered badly having no protection and where tin plate or any other metal was convenient the tops of the rails were covered with the metal another plan where tin could not be had was to cover the rails with cowhide Walla Walla once had such a railroad. Walla Walla, near the old fort and the old Whitman Mission, was on the Oregon Trail. A few farmers settled nearby, raising fruits and vegetables and owning droves of cattle with large herds of horses which they traded with passing immigrants. Gradually other farmers came, stores with supplies for the settlers and the immigrants, until a little town was built up at that point but all the supplies for walla walla had to come up the river from portland and the little town was six miles back therefore the settlers built a six-mile railroad so that their ploughs their barrels of sugar and flour and sacks of coffee with nails and jingles and all the many other things needed might reach them more easily than by hauling them by teams the walla walla railroad was covered with rawhide One winter, when it was bitterly cold, the wolves came down from the higher mountains and prowled around the farms and villages, eating young calves and anything they could find. So hungry were these wolves, that they even ate the cowhide off the railroad tracks, and the settlers told, in after years, how the wolves ate up the railroad. End of chapter 18